0: We're here today to talk about uh, or introduce uh, Amazon Detective. My name is Mark Taranzoni. I am the GM of Detective as well as Inspector, and I'm joined by Luis Maldonado, who runs our product team. Uh, Luis and I have the pleasure to talking to many customers and in, in, in up here today introducing Detective, uh, but we, really, couldn't, we were, really wouldn't be able to do that without the dedication and hard work of our smart team back in Boston, in uh, Seattle. So I just wanna give a shout out to them. Uh, they've been working really hard to get this service out and uh, really excited to tell you about it. So today we're gonna cover a few t- few areas. I'll go through a brief introduction. Um, Louis will dive deep into how it works and give a live demo of the product. And then we'll wrap it up with some, a uh, little bit more details around the service and then conclude with uh Q&A. If, uh, If you do have questions, please uh, step up to one of the mics so everyone else can hear you as well. So, before I get into Detective, uh, I want to talk a little bit about security services within AWS. Um, We have, uh, our charter is really to develop services for customers to fulfill their side of the shared security responsibility. We have a broad ecosystem of partners, well over 700. Partners within the ecosystem and marketplace, uh, but we're also charged with building services ourselves. Um, we've coupled our solutions around um, the NIST framework so identi- identify, protect, detect, and then, you know, in some cases, when you're going from a detection to response, you have a set of requirements to do an investigation. And in that set of requirements, we capture a lot of log data for you, but in many cases, we don't always make it very easy to process and and gain insights from that log information. So today I'm going, and you can see there's a lot of services in this area, but today we're really going to focus around that investigation component that is in many cases a requirement for our our customers um, when they're in the throes of a security issue. And And there's where our logo pops up. But before I get into the benefits of Detective, Uh, Lewis and I have spent the last two years talking to hundreds if not thousands of customers and really uh, focusing those efforts around what are your pain points and what are your problems because we really want to address them. We want to make it easy for you. And during the course of those conversations, four main topics always consistently came up. The first is, great, you guys do an awesome job. You give me all this log information, VPC flow, CloudTrail log that you know, gives all the details I need around my control plane and data plane activity. Uh, but it's a lot of noise. You know, we really need to be able to get the signal from that noise. Can you help us do that? So you know, give us ways to process those logs in an efficient and effective manner. Secondly, um, you know, when customers need to go off and do some of this work themselves, they need to provision the logs. They need to process them. They need to store them. They need to develop analytics, write content, queries in many cases, and then present them with a set of visualizations that the analysts understand. It's a lot of work, and there's a lot of complexity associated with that. Really want to take that off the table for customers. The third we hear constantly is there's a tremendous skill shortage. Uh, if you look at recent data, I think in the U.S. alone, there are 50% of uh, of comp- of jobs that are open or unfilled in the security industry. The expectation from some analysts is that that will grow to over a million jobs by 2022 that are open and unfilled. So it's really critical for our customers to utilize those precious resources that they have on high value activity. And high value activity is marrying the business knowledge or the account or the application knowledge to the data that's coming from the, these, our infrastructure and make a good value decision and do it very quickly. And last but not least is cost. Um, everyone wants to store logs. Everyone wants to process logs. Everyone wants to keep them forever. Security, you know, in many cases, it's the ground truth, and it's a foundational element of any good security posture. But what we found is customers have to make choices, and they're either making choices of what logs they store and retain and keep or how long they retain them. You know, it's not because they they want to make those choices; it's just they can't afford not to because it's too expensive. So these are really the areas that we focused on when building Detective, and tried to address for our customers. So, with great pleasure, I'm introducing uh, Detective in preview today, and really focused on three major areas. One is, you know, taking away the undifferentiated heavy lifting of managing your logs. So Within a few clicks, we will do all the work all the heavy lifting behind the scenes, uh, provision the logs, uh, store them, manipulate them, run analytics against them, and combine them in a way that is intuitive to the analysts. So uh, initially, we we're going to focus on cloud trail, VPC flow, and guard duty findings. And we have a unique data model under the covers Lewis will go in a lot more detail about. But it allows us to basically extract the valuable components from the logs, combine them together into a unified view, and then keep it for a long period of time and run a set of analytics to provide insights. And in doing that, we ultimately display those logs in a very intuitive time series manner that is consumable by almost any industry analyst in the security fields. Within that, we're focused on uh, you know, delivering three use cases, three powerful use cases. Um, in many cases, our, we've, we've heard from customers that there are very, very different levels of the security maturity curve. And we really wanted to make sure that with Detective, we could address concerns for companies that are just starting out and really don't even have a security team to the most sophisticated security operations of our largest customers. And in many cases, um, you know, the use cases that I show you here, alert triage, incident investigation, and threat hunting, in, in some cases, there are teams of people within the organization that are doing each of these functions separately. In other cases, we have customers that all these functions are handled by one person or a small team of people and they commingle the requirements across those teams. Um, some cases it's you know Tier one ans- analysts are doing triage, Tier two and three analysts are doing incident investigation, and then you know subject matter experts in a lot of cases are doing the proactive threat hunting. But what we found is no matter what the size of a, co- a company, they, they eventually want to get to the maturity level where they can do all three of these use cases, and we 're going to help them do that. So diving a little bit deeper into alert triage. <laughs> Core requirements here are really about accuracy and speed. You know, a lot of, again, a lot of noise with alerts being generated in your environment, and you need to make some decisions quickly on which ones are most important. So within alert triage in our our, uh, private beta, we had customers tell us that, uh, and these are sophisticated customers with sophisticated tooling would take up to an hour in many cases, to just do alert triage. With using detective, they were able to do it in less than a minute. So uh, tremendous speed and then additional accuracy. In this case, you're really starting to ask questions about is this this, uh, an event or a finding that I can disposition very quickly or is it something that I've got to pass on and dig deeper or or do an investigation around? So you might start to ask questions like, you know, uh, what happened right before it? Maybe even what happened right after it, you know, how much data was being transported? Is that normal for this role or user or this account? You know, what's the baseline? Is activity is activity increasing? Um, you know, are these you know calls or or API calls, uh, success calls, uh, you know, normal? Are they are they abnormal? Are these failures normal? These things are all presented to you without having to write a query, without having to ask a question. It's all on the screen when you pop in to look at this particular finding. In the event, you need to go further and do some level of investigation. You know, maybe at this point in time, you've passed it on to uh, a higher level analyst, or you've determined that you just want to go further and understand what's going on. Again, time is important, but details are probably even more important. What else is related? You know, I'm now in the throes of trying to understand what happened before this. Who else is involved? What's the scope? What resources are involved? You know, do I need to put some containment plans in place? Do I need to take action? And in this scenario, you're probably asking questions, you know, where did these calls come from? Is it from my location? Is it someone else? Is it potentially someone impostering one of my employees? Um, do they indicate some level of reconnaissance? Um, what, what, who else was involved? And in this scenario, you're probably pivoting a little bit within Detective. And you're, you're starting to look at resources. You're starting to look at what else is involved. Maybe you're opening up the scope time to go back a couple weeks. You're looking at baselines of activity and abnormal access patterns. And you're really trying to make a decision to, to get to a point where you're going to take action. And again, what we've heard from customers, sometimes this takes you know days and maybe even up to a week on some sophisticated investigations. Um, with Detective, we think we get this down to hours, and, and because we have all the data gathered, it's all in time series, it's all correlated and, it, and these questions are already being answered because we're developing the content and the analytics to provide those answers before you even ask the questions. And last but not least, threat hunting. You know, in many cases, um, you know, a few years ago, it was really focused on you know, the most sophisticated organizations that had plenty of resources. What we found is, again, everyone wants to do it and they understand that there's tremendous value in looking at things, not necessarily because you had a specific finding or an indicator, but because you have time and energy and the ability and you have all the data to go be proactive and understand what may have happened or might, ha- might happen before it ha- eventually happens. In this scenario, it's really important to have a historical view of data. Have it for a long period of time. Not just a day, a week. You're not gonna get baselines from that. But in Detective, out of the box, you'll find we're gonna keep this data for you for a year. And we're gonna have a historical view of this for a year. But in this scenario, you you may start to ask questions about a piece of threat intelligence or an indicator of compromise. In many cases, when threat intelligence is generated, um, you know, it takes, there's a bit of a lag before the detection tools are able to take that threat intelligence and then apply it to the detection capabilities. So when it does become available in the detection, it may have actually been affected in your environment before that detection starts, starts to spit out findings. So in the, in the event you may wanna go in and say, okay, this new threat intelligence, I'm gonna go and search back historically in my environment's logs to find out if there was ever any uh, connection to that threat intelligence or that potential IP address externally. You may also have just you know, created a new application. And uh, you've just launched it in the last month. So you maybe want to take a look around that. There's not a lot of baseline around that. Do, you know, is it being accessed by the users that I care about? Are there traffic patterns you know, what I expect to see for this new application? and poke around. But not necessarily because there's an issue, but just because you want, to be, you want to gain that comfort level. So this is a little bit what threatening is about, and we give the free, free uh, wheels of that to, from our analysts to go off and go do those types of, the, of efforts. Okay. I'm going to hand it over to Lewis now, and he's going to show you a little bit under the covers.
1: Thank you, Mark. And thanks again, everybody, for coming. We really appreciate your interest today. So um, this is supposed to be the under the covers or behind the, the screen or you know, uh, what's, what, how does it work section, but I kind of kept, kept the uh, cheeky title, mostly because I want to emphasize the fact that uh, you should be thinking about Detective as somebody on your team. Um, we're really working hard to make sure it's, it, you know, we're modeling a lot of the processes we're of, of a professional investigator. Uh, so you're gonna see that in a second. Uh, and, and they're doing a lot of hard work for you. So. It actually makes sense, let's look inside the mind and think about how does this person work. So um, with that, I'll just go ahead and lay out uh, at a high level some of the ways that we're we're doing what Mark said, kind of working from the you know, evidence level all the way out into how we present things. And then I'm gonna go into details for each one of these. So it all starts with evidence, which in this case is uh, the telemetry, is the, the data that we're collecting. Um, as Mark said, we're actually doing the heavy lifting for you, so you, we're going to actually take care of the log collection for you, and that's constant. Uh, and I know a lot of you have large data sets. So you have a lot of activity, so you have a lot of logs coming in. But that's something we're doing all, of, all you know, continuously for you. Uh, so that's where it starts. Uh, the next step is really about meshing that together and synthesizing it into a model that allows us to answer questions. Everything is about answering questions, really what, it's, what the investigation process is about. So... We've actually chosen a graph-based model that I'm gonna talk talk to you about and why it's unique and why it really suits this problem really well. But that's our model. And once you have a model of all the data together, you can start doing the analysis. And that's where we actually apply a number of different analytics techniques to help answer some really hard problems, especially at scale. So, So I'll talk about those. And then lastly, getting those answers out. Here's what I found telling you, the analyst, here's the answer to your question, maybe even the questions you weren't even going to ask, making sure that those are available to you. So that's generally at a high level how this all works. So let's talk about each step. Um, First step is uh, telemetry collection. That's the evidence, I think, that I was mentioning. Um, Our service is, by nature, a multi-account-based service. So that means uh, within each region here, because it is regional, um, all accounts where you would like to collect telemetry, you can designate. Uh, so basically, you say, these are the accounts we want to monitor, and effectively, m- this is an account where I would like that graph of data to kind of be brought together. So it all comes together in a single place. Uh, so it's, if you're familiar with GuardDuty, it's very similar. Actually, how many people are using GuardDuty? Let's start there first. Ah, love it. Love seeing that. Awesome. So should be familiar with the master member type of approach. Very similar. <clears throat> so basically, you're identifying those member accounts, and you've got a master... What is a little bit different you um, will be interested to see is that you can actually have multiple graphs. So if decided, you decide that you wanna monitor different groups of accounts, you can actually say, like to set up different graphs for those accounts. Different purposes might be different use cases. Um, and you can have account, member accounts contribute data into multiple accounts. So it's a really nice way of kind of federating out you know, how you look at and, and understand the telemetry. So um, so this is you know, the kind of the regional view. Um, As Mark said, we're following, much like GuardDuty, similar telemetry collection, at least to start. So we've got VPC flow logs, uh, AWS uh, CloudTrail, management events, and uh, GuardDuty events. So for the first two, for the telemetry, we're turning it all on for you. We're doing it all. You don't have to enable anything. You don't have to have uh, flow logs turned on your account. You don't have to be collecting CloudTrail. We're gonna do all that for you. It's under the covers. Uh, When it comes to GuardDuty, I think you've already turned it on, so that's awesome. But um, it's not required. But wherever you are collecting guard duty, or wherever you have it turned on, we will collect the findings for you. So you notice in this example, I have uh, two accounts here that are not using guard duty, or that are using guard duty, and one that is not, and uh, and that's fine. And basically it basically just means we'll be meshing those the data together. And uh, in some cases, you may or may not see findings, but it's, you know, we, we certainly encourage everyone to put GuardGD on every account. It makes our service better. It gives you more to see how those, cor- how those uh, alerts and those findings correlate to some of the behavior we're showing. But you can also jump in even if you don't have it. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the, uh, the general approach. And what, what's basically happening is we're constantly, this data is streaming in at a constant level. And as it gets collected, we're putting it right into the security behavior graph. That's kind of the the name that we use for our graph. So let's talk about that graph itself. Um, If anyone's familiar with graph theory, it's become very popular these days in terms of how um, people talk about data and relational data specifically. The, um, The approach we're taking is a property graph, which means data is effectively collected into nodes and edges, very simple thing to understand. Um, Now, we've built this graph. The reason we call it a security graph, security behavior graph, is because it's built for security professionals. That means that the nodes in this case are the things that you care to ask questions about. They're the resources that you're looking at. They're the instances the users, the roles, uh, even the findings. These are the things that analysts are going to be asking questions about. So those are, you know, we built an actual model that's built around those items. And then the uh, edges are the relationships. How do these things interact? So um, did a user start an instance? Did they look up an IP address? Uh, what role was used to access a bucket? Those sorts of things are built into the model. Now, this is only a subset. I'm showing you kind of a piece of the model uh, for each of the different uh, items we, su- we support. There's a different, there's a, there's a node and effectively lots of different relationships. The properties, if you will, of each one, since it's a property graph, is, are sort of the context at each, of each one of these nodes or edges. So we'll tell you things like this is the name of the user or this is who created this instance. Uh, lots of great context that you as, a, as an investigator need when you know, otherwise you're going and fishing through uh, different systems to try to get understanding of what, whose is this and why are they using this thing. Um, same goes for the edges. There, is, there are properties on the edges. Things like how many times have they done this. Mark talked about baselines. Uh, you know, how, do we, how do we see the flow of data? Those things, those are actually properties of the edges. So very simple in concept. Um, but basically, uh, you know, this is sort of the basic model. Uh, it gets big. You can imagine that this approach, um, is a, you know, is, as you start flowing lots of data into it, we're constantly updating with every you know, piece of data, each record that comes in. We're either adding new nodes or we're updating uh, data and uh, statistics on each one of these items. So you can imagine when you take this approach, these things can get pretty large. Uh, so going back to, you know, you're hearing a lot about graph-based approaches and visualization. Um, it's not the same as storing and managing data this way. And, is, and I make that distinction because we're not just drawing a picture of a graph. We're actually storing it this way so that we can ask questions. It's not just about presenting it. So when you see visualizations, it's sometimes encouraging to say, oh, I'd like to just see this all put together. And so with that in mind, I took a little picture here just to show you an example of you know, what is a, a very small graph. Uh, this is just a you know just representative uh, small picture, and in fact, it's probably way smaller than everyone everyone's account in this audience. Um, but let's say this represents um, nodes uh, of of users and IP addresses and and instances. Imagine looking at a picture like this, <clears throat> excuse me, and trying to pick out where's the flow between the instance and an IP, and how much flow is there, and, and do I normally see that or not? So seeing things structurally like this. Uh, It's interesting and it certainly helps people dig in in certain ways, but when it comes to answering those questions quickly, when you're in the middle of an alert triage session or an investigation, you want the answers to that question. You don't want to be fishing around necessarily. So while you won't see us present the graph this way, at least in the preview, um, for those of you who do like to see graphs this way, stay tuned because we have more coming. Um, But what we did do instead is that we're presenting the graph like this, so it's a lot easier for you to see how much flow has there been between this IP and this instance because I'm gonna lay that out for you and you're gonna be able to see it by node and actually see the patterns of flows and we'll tell you in this, in this area of time, this is what you would expect. And if you wanna open up that aperture and go wider and see what that pattern looks like, perfect. So that's why we've chosen a lot of the visualizations that I'm gonna show you in a bit, um, but they're really focused on answering your questions fast. And that's gonna be a common theme you're gonna hear me repeat as we go through this. So that's the um, that's the graph. That's a little bit of under the under the hood, inside the mind. Um, now let's talk about data science. <clears throat> I I mentioned that we use a number of different analytics techniques, and I almost feel like sometimes when I when I say data science or people hear machine learning, especially in our industry, you're going to get this skeptical eye rolls and everyone's saying sure, sure the you know bad guys are found by machine learning. Uh, I'm not here to tell you that, uh, because basically. The way we look at it, um, you know, if you hear things like that, it must be magic. We're in Vegas, so obviously that's what you're going to hear. It's Vegas. That's not what it's about. It's basically um, you should be applying machine learning and data science and all these techniques to the right types of problems. And we do have a team of data scientists that work alongside my team uh, of security practitioners to make sure that we're applying data science techniques where it's needed on the hard, big data problems. And so it doesn't, it's not necessarily about finding all the evil all the time. It's about just understanding normal. It's about understanding what is something I wasn't expected, uh, things that are hard to calculate at, at high levels. So what you're seeing here, and I'm never going to do it justice, we have our, our, these are actually screenshots from some of the research papers that our team has put out on this work. And it's, it's, you're going to continue to see additional work. They're, they're really excited. Um, our team comes from... Uh, large physics uh, backgrounds and other areas where they've been applying some really cool techniques to the data that we're seeing. Uh, so, and they do everything from you know, making it simple to identify the baselines that Mark was talking about, uh, see distributions across you know, port behaviors and, and traffic flow, uh, showing the time series analyses and, and these patterns that I'm describing. So this is the work they do. This is from their research. This is not what you want in front of your analysts either. Uh, that's, again, why we're taking you know, these types of panels and this type of visualization and this type of research and we're making it available to you very simply. So that means, yes, they've created a baseline or, yes, they've sh- done some time series analysis. We're just going to present it very simply in a bar chart or make it very clear in a, uh, in a graph that shows you, here's the baseline, this is what's gone over, this is what isn't been ex- hasn't been expected. So that's a little bit about uh, what it's like. I think, why don't we actually see it in action? So you can get a better picture of what's going on. And I've great. Uh, don't know what that is? All right, great. So to set this up, um, basically, I've got a little scenario um, that I want. I want you to take away a few things as you see me walk through this. Uh, first is sort of the workflow that we're trying to enable. Uh, it's all about questions. And everybody's approach to asking questions is different. So that means we don't wanna be prescriptive. This is not gonna be a here, you must do these things in this order. Everybody's gonna to try to do and look for things in different ways. So I wanna make sure that we support that. So that's a key part of it. So workflows, uh, what tools you're coming into, and then also the fact that you might need to keep moving things, moving around. Today, you're probably doing that by source. You're saying, I need to look it up here. I have to go over there to get that data. Uh, I need to look up someplace else for, you know, whatever piece. That doesn't necessarily go away as you're looking through data, but you shouldn't have to feel that burden. So when I start pivoting through the, the, the interface here, what you're gonna see is it's much easier than thinking about which data source. It's just natural pivot points. So keep those things in mind as I go through this scenario. Uh, I don't need that anymore, so I'm gonna stand here. And um, the use case I'm gonna sh- use uh, for this, especially since it's a big guard duty um, group here is finding triage, and I'm going to show you a bit about how Mark was saying, if you can you know, very quickly get to an idea of, uh, of a finding, whether or not you care about it, and then I'm going to show you how you go a little bit deeper after, after uh, you've determined that. So I've got GuardDuty, uh, the console open here, should be familiar to most people, and uh, for my scenario, I'm going to focus on a particular um, you know, domain, of, in this case, Uh, I'm looking at a single account, and I'm looking for uh, this type of finding. In this case, I'm gonna look for CloudTrail logs that have been disabled. So if you know this finding, you may have seen it. Uh, It could be a legitimate use. It could be someone who needs to administrate and change some of the um, CloudTrail logging that's going on, or it could be somebody covering the tracks. And one of the key parts of alert triage is that you know you, you don't always have the ability to automate every one of these findings. There are some subtleties, and there's some cases where you want to ask more questions, but you want to do it quickly, right? You don't want to be sitting there for an hour to understand whether you care about something. So um, so this is where, that's the scenario I'm going to set up. As most of you know, you can, you know, today you can look at some of the details of the finding itself, and that's provided by the GuardDuty console, which is great. Tells you about the affected resources, um, you know, some of the behaviors, what they found, that sort of thing. Uh, And now what you can do is, let's say you decide, I want to go a little bit deeper. We've added now a new capability, and this is our our GuardDuty integration is actually pretty deep. Uh, We've now added this capability to within GuardDuty. You'll see a new action here, which I don't know if everyone's probably not familiar with before. And uh, you can investigate straight from here into the uh, Detective console. It's a very simple investigation flow. So by selecting that, I'm taken to a page that we call our profile pages. Now everything we do for these entities that I was describing, we have a profile for them. And a profile effectively collects and visualizes all the data about the thing that you're looking at. So this is a profile page for a finding. And it tells me a few things. I'm gonna walk you through just to get a sense of it and then we'll continue through uh, the scenario. Uh, We do bring some data over from the findings so that you you don't have to keep pivoting back to the GuardDuty console to see uh, details about the finding or the resource affected. So you'll see things like here was the, the finding type, some the actual description, um, and uh, you know kind of some more details that you'll see under here. You notice up here, Mark mentioned this notion of scope time. Um, we have this uh, very time series oriented view of the graph so that that large graph, it's really interesting, but during any particular investigation, you're probably looking at a window of time. We call that the scope time. So that scope time is set by default Um, and usually it follows things like the finding time, so in this case, this is the finding time, so that's where it's set to, Uh, but I can edit it if I want, so I can actually go and open this up and let's say I'd like to look back, you know, last six hours, last three days, a week, a month, or, you know, completely custom view, that allows you to move through the graph to where it's most important. So we wanna make sure that we allow you to to do that pretty quickly. Um, We can also lock it, which is actually a nice feature which means basically you'll, you're locking this window as you're rolling through an investigation so that no matter what page you go to, you're still looking at that piece of the graph. And it doesn't matter if you've changed data sources in the graph or you're looking at different nodes, different edges, you stay locked on that window. It's really important that you don't end up someplace else and go, wait a minute, this was yesterday's data. I need to go back three months. So make sure that that's a great feature. Um, before I continue, I do wanna say that you know, the workflow that I enabled, I showed you coming in from GuardDuty uh, is not the only way to come in. You can actually come in uh, directly to the console. So we do have a search page uh, that you can drop into. And if you have something interesting that you'd like to look for, you go right here and we can actually pull down um, you know, any of the entities that we support. You can enter the identities or an identifier for each one of them. So if you know, for instance, an EC2 instance that something's going wrong with, uh, an IP address is sort of the, a very simple type of hunt that Mark was mentioning. Um, you know, I just have an indicator and I want to look to see, has this indicator come up in my organization ever? I can just select this here, enter the IP address, and go search for it. So just wanted to show you that's another way to come in. All right, so finding profiles. Um, this one, you'll notice that we organize, uh, you're gonna see a lot of panels of information. Those are the answers to your question or where you get your answers. Uh, we organize them based on the type of finding or based on the type of profile many times. So in this case, there's a fair amount of information we have on this on CloudTrail data, because this is a CloudTrail generated finding. And uh, you'll notice we organize it by the resources affected here, the users, the primary one, but also the account. So you can see kind of you know, tabular oriented views, which one you want to select. Now, I mentioned GuardDuty is, has a special integration. So besides things like findings, we're gonna continue to integrate workflows there, as well as with partners and hold that thought, because I'm doing, I'll talk a little bit more about partners. But you notice things like being able to archive the finding right within the panel makes it a lot easier than having to go back and forth. And uh, we'll continue to work with other folks like Security Hub and others to integrate uh, this way too. So we got a Guard Duty finding um, details here. I can see you know some basic data about it. Uh, we start showing data about the affected resource. In this case, the user that was affected. I can see its name, uh, who created it, when it was created, etc. I can also see the findings associated with it. So while we started out on the general findings, once you start moving through and you start looking at nodes and looking at these entities, it's really helpful to see what other detections have been found around them without having to go back and look, sort through a list. So it's a really nice way of, this is where the, the benefit of giving us, you know, uh, inputting guard duty findings, will be able to show those to you right in line. So um, this is the one we're currently looking at. We can see that this wasn't the only instance of disabling CloudTrail, so that's kind of interesting. Um, and then additional context, things like, um, you know, what's the overall API call volume? Uh, this is, a, again, a cloud trail based finding. So in this case, I'd like to understand, well, what else has, what has this call been doing? What this, has this user been doing? And so we can tell you things like here's the amount of traffic they typically, you know, run, how many successful and failed calls, um, where, whether this crosses a baseline or not. And, in fact, what you can do, you can actually drill into all of these. So you can select an area, and if you want to look deep down, you can start drilling into But I'm going I'm to show you drill down in just a second. Um, this, this notion of triage still might, not, might mean you don't want to necessarily look into the details. You're just trying to get a sense of is this important or not. So at any point, you could. But let's say we're trying to get to the bottom of is this, you know, someone really uh, that we care about or is this, this disablement of trails is this real. So let's look at uh, behavior tab. This is where we put a lot of those analytic insights that I was talking about. And again, we're trying to visualize them. They're already calculated, and many times these are stored on the graph. So all we have to do is just pull up the information, and now that we know you're looking at this, it's already there. So it's not like we're running calculations oftentimes and running long analyses. We actually have the answers already. So in this case, we're, we, um, we have a number of different types of analytics for each different type of finding, uh, so I'll just kind of roll through really quickly, and you'll see everything from where we observe this or not observe this uh, call being made from in terms of geography, uh, new API calls that they may not have ever seen before, and you know especially during the last X amount of time, things that were not expected to kind of started getting used, uh, things that started increasing in, in uh, volume. So imagine you know someone an actor has made its way in, all of a sudden they start doing describes and looking around, might be doing reconnaissance. That's the type of thing you'd like to start flagging, seeing some increases in certain calls. Uh, And then there's others, things like, you know, what ASO was used, what user agent, if you're going to go and understand infrastructure that they have. It's great, you know, context for really just quickly understanding, do you care? So um, just starting with, as an example, looking at the top one, uh, this is a common, it's probably one of the better, you know, faster ways of understanding when someone says, where did this come from? Uh, In this case... We're noting that um, if we've seen it before, if you've actually seen this type of call before, it would be in a blue circle. And we've not really seen this user in this call being made before. So it's actually a newly observed um, call. And you notice it's coming from an Eastern European area. And in which case, maybe I don't have an office there. I'm not used to seeing traffic there. This might be the case where I'm saying, yes, this is pretty obvious. And I could do the same with some of these other questions. I don't expect this account to be making these other calls. Very easy triage questions. Um, so at this point, I might decide, yes, I've got a live one, and I want to go deeper. And I can either continue the analysis here, I can pass it off to someone if I structured that way. But we try to make it easy so that if you do want to go deeper, just jump right in. Mm. So let's do that. Um, the drill-down behavior that I was talking about, that's available here as well. So if I see an area where I said, that's really interesting data I want to dig into, click on that area, and in the map, what we do is Um, You'll see below for each of the places where you can drill down, we'll start listing out what we know about the data. Uh, It's often uh, divided into multiple dimensions so that if you want to attack the problem and look down by resource because you understand the resources that are being used, um, that's fine. You can do it that way or you can do it by IP address. You probably remember or maybe you saw in the previous one, we did that by IP address, by API call, lots of different ways that you want to sort of dive into the data. Um, You might see here, you get a lot of calls. You had 311 successful calls, which might be a lot. So it might be more than you wanna filter through. And as security analysts, I know we've heard a lot that you often don't know what these APIs are. this might be normal or it might not be. Um, You don't necessarily know what your teams are building. So just seeing APIs and and not knowing is maybe not always helpful. Uh, But you can take approaches to say, let's filter to things that I might be concerned about. And this is where using some of the filtering capability, um, you can either filter by uh, resources like IP address. I like to use the API method and, uh, and filter out to maybe things that are destructive or things that you wouldn't expect to happen in, you know, or things that are just you know, people doing describes. So if I do something filter like that, like a destructive call, what are, how many uh, deletes are being made? That's a nice way to filter down the data and now instead of 311, I have nine calls, and I can see here's the user uh, identity that was making those calls, and you can see a couple things besides, uh, you know, kind of the the, the CloudTrail disablement that came in. We're also seeing delete topics and delete trails, so you can see I can go and open up the scope a bit more. I can understand what's going on. So this is the type of thing that we think is, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You know, being able to collect this type of data and these answers in just a few minutes, and I took the long way. Um, it's pretty easy uh, and so we think everyone should be able to do that um, but let's say you want to go further and let's say you want to expand and you want to do what mark was saying and this is becoming more of a of an, of an incident that you need to investigate and you want to start doing scoping you want to understand what else is involved what are the things should i be worried about so you might again decide which angle you'd like to choose you might choose the user and say let's look at that user account and see what were they doing um, you might choose the IP address and go and say, Well, what is this IP? I don't expect it out of Europe. Um, and so you can do that. And actually, what you're doing is effectively opening up profile pages for each one of these things. So I'm going to actually open one up. <clears throat> In this case, I'm going to look at the IP address. And again, notice I'm not thinking about what data source did this come from. I'm not thinking about uh, what data do I have. I'm just saying, Let me look at that IP and what does it tell me? So I'm on a, a profile page now for the IP. And sometimes it's an internal one, sometimes it's external, so I might have different data depending on what comes in. And we do very similar things. We'll tell you what we know about it, when we last observed it, where is it, you know, where is it coming from, how many user agents is it using, you know, number of uh, users or roles it's been interacting with, lots of great context to understand. Uh, also like the user case, I'm showing you findings that might be related. And in this case, it is the CloudTrail one, so we know that that. And again, successful you know, behavior, how many calls that it made. Um, so that's the sort of thing you would see. And, and notice in this case, we also have new behaviors as well, as well as uh, another tab that's really helpful for uh, scoping. In this case, it's the interactions. So this, think of it as the, these are the, the um, edges on the node between this IP and my internal resources. When it comes to scoping, it's almost like I've, we've already given you a head start and said, Besides the affected resources from the finding, which is a user and um, and you know an IP address, we now can see that there are also some other interactions. We see there's another couple. There's a role and another user, and in fact also some instances. And you noticed before we were talking about CloudTrail. Now all of a sudden I now see there's there's instances, and I can see that there's probably some other interactions going on. So um, this is a great place where I might go deep. I might take a look at each one of these i um, me just look at one just to show you a bit about uh, an instance profile. Instance profiles, when we look at instances, this, they have, they're mostly focused around um, flow data. So you can see a lot of IP flow and traffic flow for them. So that's why you'll see different types of content here. In this case will show you the overall flow into that instance. Again, doing things like here's the baselines. Um, you, know, you can look for spikes. Here's my window of activity as you've seen before. Um, I'll show you things like additional findings that are going on, connections over time, lots of great data that uh, describe the flow. Um, Just looking at the, as we flash through the the findings here, that's pretty interesting. Sometimes you'll notice that findings will help you pivot and expand out your uh, your scoping efforts. So in addition to seeing this is an instance and why is it communicating with this unexpected place, I see that there's a couple of findings here. Maybe I don't care so much about uh, a port being probed, but I do care about a brute force attack. And so you notice how I can say, well, well what does that look like? And I can pivot over to that particular um, finding page. Uh, and I, I do this mostly because I, want, I wanted to show you also another finding page that's, that's flow-based because it's very natural. I went from CloudTrail on one particular area about a user, all of a sudden now we're down into an instance and I can talk about flow here and what's going on between it and, uh, and a remote IP. So we even tell you here's the infrastructure, you can, you know, here's the local IP addresses, the remote IP address, locations, data that, you know, that we can kind of annotate and, and tell you about. Um, even if you want to go deeper, if you want to look at VPC flow itself, we'll tell you things like the volume to and from that remote host. Um, you can actually uh, see if you wanted to go look at ports, so if you want to look at the common port activity, we'll show that. You notice in some cases it you know this was an ssh brute force force attack so it's probably not surprising that's the one blip you'll see Um, you also will sometimes not see other traffic and say well where's the rest of traffic i know it's there we're using a linear scale in this particular visualization but it's easy for you to go and say well i'd like to look at that as a log scale and sometimes the visualizations will you know you'll mask you know a large spike will mask the others so we want to make sure you can actually see that You notice that there's some of my other expected traffic. Uh, Some of it does go over the baseline, you'll see it in orange there. Um, But it really allows me to kind of see the traffic that I might care about. Again, drill into it, I can select one of these and take a look at the SSH behavior during that time that we've baselined for you as well. Uh, So you can see how it's getting deep. Um, So I I don't want to keep going because I'm having too much fun. Um, But hopefully you get a picture of that flow. So basically, I think it was this tab here uh, where we started. Um, you know, simple guard duty, uh, alert triage sense, you know, pivoting over, answering a few questions, and before you know it, I'm able to look through and start understanding what else is related, and that, you know, this resource interaction and this ability for us to help you generate your scoping tasks, if you will, is really important. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, switch back and talk a bit about more about this workflow and some of the things that we have in mind for this. If I succeed here... <clears throat> All right, so um, that GuardDuty integration that I showed you is um, we feel it's actually, it goes, certainly goes beyond GuardDuty. There's a lot of other ways that we feel that that pivot in between you know, where you're looking at an alert or a finding is really important. And so I wanted to lay out some of the, uh, some of the use cases and how we see these coming together. Uh, and uh, they parallel, certainly on the left side, the, the idea of taking an alert from your system, whether it's a sim where you've aggregated them, or a detection or protection system that has generated some kind of finding or something interesting about a a cloud resource, you want to investigate that. So we're going to make sure we allow you to pivot over from and investigate the resource itself that's under question. Or if you have findings, we're we're, we're doing that with findings to start, and we're going to keep adding more so you can actually pivot over. Um, And on the right side, uh, we're also looking at working with um, orchestration approaches. And orchestration servers typically are automated. Uh, So many cases, you won't have, you know, all every single finding being looked at by a human. You'll have the, you'll have automated playbooks. But there are cases, like I showed you in this case, where you might want a manual step where someone will validate that this is something that you really care about. So in that manual step, you basically allow that, that analyst to pivot right over, present them with the page that makes sense right in the detective, and let them make their determination. And then you can pop back up and, and continue the, the automated flow. Uh, so that's all done by a URL, very simple URL syntax that you'll see that we use for pivoting. You can check, you, you're actually welcome to use those URLs. We actually pass them back and forth within our team as well. Uh, they have query parameters that let you say, this is where um, I'd like this is the times where I'd like this frozen, this is the resource, very simple way to construct. And um, you can send them over chat, send them to other you know, systems that you might have. Uh, share them with you know, reports wherever you might need. So it's really, we're trying to make sure that we integrate with, uh, with the sort of ecosystem of tools that you're already using. And actually on that note, um, we've, we've uh, been working with a number of partners already right out of the gate that have also seen this value. Uh, so we're really excited to uh, describe our, so kind of talk about our, our launch partners here. They've, uh, you're seeing on the left side uh, our technology partnerships. These are uh, industry leaders, as you all know. You'll recognize the names. That would that are really excited to integrate that same flow that I showed you with GuardDuty with their systems. So that idea of here's uh, you know a system that is a sim or a protective system, a data you know something looking at the endpoints, and you want to investigate that, These partners are already integrating these flows. In fact, I think you see them. Uh, hopefully, you can go take a visit. Uh, they are demonstrating some of these integrations. Uh, we also have partners on the on the services side. We know that sometimes this work, maybe you don't have a large team, and what I've showed you maybe is a little beyond some of your, the time that you have. So we do have teams that are, really, that are ready and able to start helping you both set up and work with Detective. Uh, they can uh, help you with best practices and how to use it, uh, integrate with it, and then if you even want them to run them, we actually have some of the teams that are setting up to actually run using Detective themselves. So you might not even have to see it. They'll have it back in the house and use it as a tool of their own. So, really excited to have um, you know, this integration being recognized by a lot of our partners. So with that, I'm gonna hand it back to Mark who can uh, basically walk you through a few more service details and then we'll take some questions.
0: Great, thanks Louis. So, uh, getting started, it's really pretty simple. Um, we have a notion of a, a master account and then a number of member accounts. Um, once you set up your master account, you can add accounts to it, you can remove accounts. Pretty simple, if you have a lot of accounts, we give you the capability of uploading a CSV. Um, you know, very similar model to guard duty and security hub and other services within uh, within the portfolio. Pretty simple. You'll probably see us uh, do a lot more with orgs uh, in the future coming down, but pretty simple process today. Um, we are in preview now, so there's no cost, obviously, so uh people that will be rolling more and more customers into, uh, into preview through the next couple months with a, a planned GA, uh, really as soon as possible, but uh, certainly coming in the, you know, early next year for sure. Once we do uh, you know, release the product in GA, we're gonna also offer a 30-day free trial. 30-day free trial allows customers to use the product, get a feel for it, and really estimate what their cost and usage models will be determine what what accounts make sense, which ones don't make sense. Um, But 30 days goes by quick. So in order to make that an effective and useful amount of time for you, we're gonna actually preload with two weeks' worth of data so you actually will start day one with some information in the system that allows you to hit the ground running, really, and start to kick the ties with the product. Pricing. So we are announcing pricing today. Uh, We take all of the log sources, and of course, we'll add more log sources over time, and we convert convert it to gigabytes. And for the first 1,000 gigabytes per month, it's $2 per gigabyte. The next 4,000 or 4 terabytes will be $1. The next 5,000 is 50 cents, and above 10,000 is 25 cents. So if you're generating 10 terabytes of data on a monthly basis, your bill will be $8,500 on a monthly basis. Uh, Again, it's a lot of information. We process it. Again, no provisioning of the logs. Uh, You you don't really have to do any of the analytics. You saw from Lewis's demo that we're providing all that content. We'll continue to add to that. We'll continue to generate more analytics. Again, all done for you um, at one flat rate price. And, of course, uh, keeping it for a year. Um, And that's built into the cost model. We'll keep that graph for a year for you. Uh, and, you know, kind of just roll the data out after the, after we get through the year. And then uh, last but not least, um, where are we? So uh, at Preview, we're in five regions, uh, Northern Virginia, Ohio, uh, Oregon, Tokyo, and uh, Ireland. Uh, we will be ramping up more regions throughout Preview. And at GA, we'll, we'll be supported in all commercial regions and available in all commercial regions. And... Uh, what, you know, how can you learn more? We've got a lot of information up on the website, including a form to fill out to join the preview. We'd love to have you all join the preview. So uh, please don't hesitate, get on there. Uh, certainly uh, look it through our documentation and other material and, uh, and, and uh, Lewis and I will also be here for the next 10 minutes or so to answer a few questions. But here's where I turn over the power to you. So we, we've, had, we've kept, held you captive for the last hour or so and you've listened to us. So you get to determine if you get to do that again. So we really, really would like the feedback. So uh, if you like the session, say positive things. if you if you didn't say negative things, we only get better by your feedback. But now we'll uh, we'll open it up for a few questions. If you have any, please step up to the mic so everyone can hear them, and we'll try to answer them best we can. Thank you.